And our text is that first verse of uh, John 8, John 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we're looking at that I am statement again, uh, one of the ones that we are familiar with, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we are, we are sometimes in the wintertime, sometimes we are sad, sad, S-A-D, seasonal affective disorder. Did you know about sad? In the wintertime, when it gets dark and dreary, and people get sad. They have seasonal affective disorder. It's dark when you get up. It's dark when you go to bed, when you get home from work. And it's cold and you can't get out. And people are affected. They get depressed. They get discouraged. They don't want to go out. They don't want to do things. And I find generally in ministry, the months between Christmas and Easter... Uh, people are generally a little more on edge. And, and things that they normally could manage without really too much trouble, they, they just can't put up with it anymore. And there's a, a sense of, of things that were good are now no good. And this seasonal affective disorder, that does affect us. We've had a nice week. So we're all feeling a little chipper. I know I feel a little better too. Wow, that was great. But the cure, the cure for seasonal affective disorder, you have to buy a happy light. You can order a happy light. And this is an intense light, just nice, big. You set it in the room, you Turn it on at least an hour a day, and you feel better. It does really help. Light cures the darkness. Our house is on a street here in town, and right outside my bedroom window is a street light. When we moved there initially, I thought, I don't know shines in and you go to bed and light is there. We have big curtains, of course. Ah, always that bright light there. But overall, I really like it because our place is lit up and there's nobody sneaking around our place to get in the garage and steal stuff or anything like that because our place is, boy, the light is right there. We are safe in the light. Those who like the darkness don't like to come to our place. Those who like to sneak around in the dark and do dark things don't come by our house. So I like it that we have the light there. It's good. Light is safe and comforting and good. Kids have nightlights. 
Ozzy mentioned it here this morning too. When I was a kid, I had a nightlight. I'm sure many of you did too. Light pushes back the darkness. Also, in, in that sense, C.S. Lewis, in his book, the Narnia series, begins with the, the entrance into uh, the world of Narnia is, is a lamppost. A lamppost. If you've seen the movie, it's an old English lamppost. And it shines day and night. And it's, it's at the entrance into, it's at, at good breaking into that, that evil cold place where, where the wicked witch, uh, she is in charge, Jadis. And in that cold and dark, there is light. All based on and, and coming into the sense that Jesus comes into the world, our world of darkness and sin, of trouble and, and, and uncertainty, and he is the light, John 1, the light of life, the light of the world. And that truth is a tremendous comfort, gives joy and peace for all of us, for each of us to receive that light, to walk in that light, to live in that light of life, and to let that light shine. John 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is another one of those powerful I am statements. And as, as Jesus continues to unfold that, he is, is making those claims again. As Cora was reading, you notice too how, how Jesus uh, expresses his, his sense of, of being with the Father, one with the Father, his coming from the Father as true God to be that light, that Savior in a dark world. But as he brings this, you have to realize, as, as we read it, you don't get the sense at all of just how powerful this statement was even for those who were first hearing it. If you, if you recognize the context of this statement, Jesus, Jesus stands up at this point and says, I am the light of the world. And you think, well, what's going on as he's saying that? Well, in John 7, the verses 2 and 37, we learn that Jesus is attending the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is one of the three great feasts in Jerusalem that the people were required to attend. The feasts reminded them of the great things of God. And this was a, a full week the feast went on. In the Feast of Tabernacles, it marked the 40 years the people wandered in the wilderness. God delivered them from Egypt, but then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and one of the aspects of that wilderness wandering was... He led them. How did he lead them? By a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That bright light, the pillar of fire, that was one emphasis of the feast, remembering who God was and how he led them and how they could trust his leading. 
And it says specifically in Exodus 13, 21, that they could travel by day or night. When the pillar moved in the daytime, they would move. When it moved in the nighttime, they would move. Because they could see everything. Everything was light. And they could just live in the nighttime as if it was day. The light of the pillar was better than our street lights, than the light in front of my house. When you see some of the sports stadiums that turn on the lights at night, and it looks like day, it was like that, but everywhere. Bright light. It was a, a sense of, as, as we read in 1 John 1, verses 5 and 6, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. That that perfect light, that bright, leading, guiding light. And again, Revelation 21, verse 23, which is the beautiful culmination, the picture of the new Jerusalem, the city of God coming down from heaven. And it says about that city, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp. So that that picture of God is light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am God, true God, come to give light in this dark world. That's what Jesus is saying. And he's saying it in the context of this feast and of recognizing the pillar of fire that was the presence of God in the dark leading the people. Now there are three things you need to know about the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem in the days of Jesus. The first thing you need to know is that most of the celebrations, the activities took place at night. So worship times, fellowship times, celebrations, gatherings took place at night. And in order to facilitate that, they put up In the temple court, the temple court was a large area, and the temple in Jerusalem is high over the city uh, to a a large degree. And in the temple court, they put up, in preparation for the feast, four towers, 60 feet high, like our church steeple here. They put those towers in the four corners of the temple, and at the top, they put huge bowls, and fill them with olive oil. And the olive oil, uh, like a kerosene lamp, you need a wick to, to wick the oil up, and then it burns off the top of the wick. And the, use, the wicks they used in those big bowls were the old robes of the priests. After a while, the priests' robes wore out, like my old suit wears out sometimes. And so they would take those robes of the priests, and they would make those into, into big wicks, long, heavy, down in the oil, and they would light those. And that, that lamp, those lamps, they, they would be lit with great pomp and ceremony. And the ancient accounts said that the light from those huge oil lamps lit up the streets of Jerusalem. So you could... You could be out during the night. It was light. In a land that had no electricity, no street lights, it was amazing. 
The light coming from the temple could be seen all around the city. It was a thing of splendor, like the pillar of fire. God providing light for his people. The second thing you need to know is that the celebration was led by people carrying torches and singing songs and dancing before the Lord. If you go to a a modern music concert, you will see people leading on a stage with lights and pyrotechnics and it'll be amazing. And it wasn't quite that, but it was along the lines of there was light and, and celebration and joy and torches and, and as much as they could in the actual activities of the feast and the presentation of the Feast of the Tabernacle. And you could stay up all night and it was an act of piety, an act of faith that you would for the feast say, I'm not going to go to bed at night for the whole feast. I may grab a nap during the day. I'm going to be up all night because it's light and it's good and it's safe and it's fun and we're giving God the glory. It was a beautiful time, a beautiful celebration. The third thing you need to know is that another aspect of the feast was that it's called the Feast of Booth because during the 40 years in uh, the wilderness, the people camped. They were in tents. And so it, it was a camping week. The people moved out of their homes and they actually camped in the streets. And they still do that in Jerusalem. The Orthodox Jews, during the Feast of Tabernacles, they will build a little shelters outside their homes. And, and just like camping, campfires, lanterns, lights around. And so the people were living outside they, they had the great lights around them and they had their own fires and lanterns. There was light everywhere. At the end of the feast, the lights were put out. Those four big ones were put out. All of the, the worship and celebration stopped. The people went back into their homes. Campfires and things, everything was done. It was dark again. Scholars feel it's at this point, as everything is going back to the darkness, that Jesus steps forward onto the stage in the courtyard somewhere. And they've experienced all this light and they've experienced just a beautiful sense of God's presence and that's all ending and Jesus steps forward and says, I am the light of the world. If you, if you follow me, you, you can live like that, that it's all light all the time. So it's, it's profound, the context, when he says it. It's not people don't understand what he's saying. They understand what he's saying. Wouldn't it be nice if it was always like this? If we were always safe, if we would always be in the light, there was never any, any darkness, any worry, any fears, 
Yeah, pain, sorrow, death, troubles. If there was always light and joy and thankfulness and peace, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. All who follow me will never have to go back, be in that darkness. Striking as the four great lights go out. Jesus says, follow me. I'm the pillar of fire. I am true God. Come to save. Day or night, I am with you. You do not need to go back to the darkness. What a beautiful invitation. Jesus declares himself that presence of God. As the Son of God, he comes to lead his people. Comes to lead them into truth into forgiveness, into the joy of living for God. And this is, this is the one major theme of the Gospel of John. If you think about the Gospel of John, and as John is writing these I am statements, he is recording what Jesus has said. John is thinking, this is the one. Which one was the best one? We're going to look at the I am the good shepherd next week. Uh, I am the true vine. Which one is the greatest one? John would say this one, the gospel writer himself. The whole gospel of John, beginning in chapter 1, the light coming into the world, we read it as our call to worship. You have the sense of Jesus brings light into the world, into the lives of people. When does Nicodemus come to Jesus? John 3, verses 1 and 2. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. He came at night because he was in the dark. He was a Pharisee and should have known all about God, but he didn't know anything at all, and he wasn't sure about anything at all. And he came to Jesus, and Jesus showed him the light. Follow me. And Nicodemus In the end, you see him at the cross taking down the body of Jesus because he knows this is the light, the Savior. We trust in him. Later on, Jesus sends Judas, the betrayer, out. It says in John 13, verse 30, as soon as Judas has taken the bread, he went out And it was night. Judas saw the light, heard the light, was in the presence of Jesus. He denied the light. Do not deny the light. Jesus continued to work with Judas even to the end. But some do reject the light, even as John 1 says. Always, though, Jesus is the light. The light come into this dark world. How does that work exactly? And it's actually quite simple, really. Light pushes back darkness. When Pastor Harold Roche was here uh, last year, he, he led a service, and, and he spoke in relation to his ministry at the Edmonton Native Healing Center. He talked about that ministry and, and how light enters the darkness, too, of the lives of some of the First Nations people that he's working with. And, and that he, he 
what, what does he do? How does he, how does he proceed? Well, he, he presents the truth of Jesus to our First Nations friends, and he sees the darkness pushed back. They are, they are able to come out of the darkness into the light as they put their hope, their faith in Jesus. Out of all the things you, you sometimes hear about, about First Nations struggles, and there are lots of struggles, lots of concern, how do we help them? We bring them into the light. Faith in Jesus Christ. And the darkness is pushed back. That's the reality of light. It pushes back darkness. Albert Einstein declared it as a physical law. Darkness is the absence of light. Light we can study, but not darkness. We can use a prism to break up light. I'm not sure if you've done that in your science classes as kids. You shine a light into a prism and and all of the colors come out. You can see the substance of light. It's rich and strong. You can't do that with darkness. You can't shine darkness through a prism and see what it's made of. It doesn't really exist. Darkness is only a lack of light. You can't measure it. A single ray of light can break into the darkness and and illumine it. Light pushes back the darkness. If we have that understanding, it leads to the famous words of Edmund Burke, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good people do nothing. If If we don't express the light, darkness will come. But if the light is expressed, if the light is is declared, if it shines out, then the darkness must flee. And that reality is what we need to be aware of as we let the light of Jesus enter our lives and as we seek to be light to those around us. In John 8, the religious leaders like Nicodemus are those who are in the dark. They do understand Jesus' claim to be the light of God, but their response uh, is, is quite unusual, we would say. They are speaking about legalities, legal language, legal witnesses, and, and what they are thinking of is the law. And they are thinking that the pillar of fire led God's people to Mount Sinai where he gave them the law, and now they walk in the light of the law, which is good. And we know that famous verse, Psalm 119, verse 105, Your word, your law, is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And it says in Psalm 119 several times, I meditate on it day and night. It shows me Day or night, light from darkness, it gives me light. God's word, God's law, it guides me. So the Pharisees are saying, uh, you want to guide us, you want to be light, but we have the law. So why do we need you? Obedience to the law is light. Jesus doesn't disagree with them. God's word is good. God's law is good. A wonderful guide. 
And the Bible speaks into our lives, and we need to let it speak into our lives regularly. Worship times, devotional times, let it guide us in the way of truth and love. But in the end, the law itself never saved anybody. It never saved anybody. The law points to Christ. The law reminds us we are sinners and we need a Savior. The law is not the light. It points to the light. And so Jesus comes saying, I am the light of the world. To those who are in darkness thinking, my good behavior and somehow I can save myself, but really that's only darkness. And that's why Nicodemus came to Jesus. He was, he was perfect. He was a church member above any. He, twice he was in church. He was on every committee. He was doing everything, but he knew in his heart it was darkness. One good enough. And so the point is Christ. And so that reality continues to be Jesus' call to us as church members, to us as Christians in the world. When Jesus comes in, there is light. Just a few examples to close. Example, if you are in the hospital and the nurses and doctors are there and you are there with family and, and there is concern. Dear one is ill, laying in bed. And the discussion goes back and forth. And it's looking bad. It's dark. It's uncertain. And in that context, as people are worrying and wondering, you do something that not everybody does. You open the Bible and you begin to read from God's Word, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever present help in times of trouble. And, and the light, the light starts to come on in the darkness. Where, where is our hope? Who do we trust? How can, we, how can we manage here? What if, what if, what if God is our refuge and strength? The light pushes back all the darkness. And then you bow in prayer and you lift up the name of Jesus. And, and the comfort of the light, the peace enters in. And the darkness is overcome. You have it, for example, in a marriage or family situation where there is misunderstanding, where there is breakdown of trust, where there is anger, where things are becoming dark. Until, until someone opens God's word. And in Ephesians it says, by grace, we are forgiven our sins. Forgive one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And as 
as a family bows in prayer, lifting up the name of Jesus, light enters in where there was darkness before. The name of Jesus, used sincerely, the true God called upon, not just, oh my God, the true God, help and strength. I receive every month the living light news. I'm not sure. Do some of you see that paper? It's a little paper that comes out, out of Edmonton, out of Calgary. The living light news. Living light. The light is alive. It's filled with stories of the light. Just this last issue, Tanya, is mentioned. Tanya was born in dark circumstances. She was born when her father was in prison. As a teen, she was abused by a family friend. She left home, was taken in by people who were not good people, who trafficked drugs and traffic people. And so the story is one of dark, dark, dark. It's very dark. What do you do in that darkness? In 2009, on a especially difficult dark day, Tanya walked into a church building without realizing it. It was in the city. It was just one of these kind of storefront church things. She walked in and she uh, asked, what do you do here? And there was a woman there, one of the ministry directors, who smiled and said, uh, we're, we're a church. And we believe in God. And we lift up the name of Jesus. And her first thought was, she, she writes so nicely, my thought was, oh boy, I'm in the wrong place here. This is not for me. But then, then as, as she was thinking, then the ministry director says, we are trying to reach out to those caught in prostitution in this area. Light went on. I need, I need that help. And so they began to talk. And the lady simply shared with her not about a program, oh, we do this and that for prostitutes, blah, blah, blah. Jesus loves you. And she had been loved in many ways by many people over many years that had just destroyed her completely. But this time, when she understood the love of Jesus, she, at, for the very first time, felt love. And by this woman was led to faith and now is walking in the light. The light pushes back the darkness. And she is working to draw other ladies out of the darkness into the light. Many, many examples. We serve Jesus who is the light of the world as we go forward, that we too have that sense in our lives, wherever there is darkness, wherever there is uncertainty, that we look to Jesus, that we let him shine into our lives, 
and that we continue too to be a witness to those around us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your coming as light into this dark world. And we acknowledge your presence and your power wherever, wherever your name is lifted up, honestly and sincerely, Lord, that you do bring light in darkness. Lord, we thank you for that great truth that we can take hold of again this morning. We pray that in our lives you would be the light, that you would guide and lead, that you would restore what is broken, that you would encourage when there is uncertainty, and that as we put our trust, our faith in you, that we could walk in that light of life that you are each day of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to respond to the song of thanksgiving. Christ whose glory fills the skies and will stand to sing.